Hello everybody, this is Leo and this is another episode of the 70s Watt Show. If you are interested in startups and their trends, especially from India, this episode is for you. I have talked with Amar Dishbandi. He is the co-founder of Gafa Story. Besides that, he is an author and he has created several podcasts. One of them is called Startup Nibbles. It's my favorite one and in this one he talks about the most important and relevant startup news from India and comments on them. He has a very deep understanding of the startup world and everything about it. I've received great insights from this interview, great answers and I recommend everybody to listen to it. Without further ado, let's go. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Um, can you explain a little bit about yourself? Um, what's your name and where are you from? All right. So um, my name is Amar Deshpande. I'm also known by the name Amar Vyas. And uh, there's, there's an interesting backstory to it, which probably we will get to at some other time. But uh, I'm from Bengaluru in India. And I am a podcaster together with my wife. Uh, we run a small, we don't call it network. It's not even a mini network, but we have launched uh, seven podcasts and about 500 episodes uh, over the past four years. Wow, that's actually a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's really impressive. Um, how has that all started? And um, what's your passion behind podcasts? Well, passion behind podcast, uh, both my wife and I love listening to uh, stories that people have to share on podcasts. And, uh, you know, uh, we around 2015, we were both looking and exploring what is it that, uh, you know, what, how we could be a part of it. We, we had listened to enough and we realized that both of us uh, did not come uh, from an audio background. And because of that, we did not know how to record, how mm -hmm. to edit you know, distribute. And of course, we did not come from digital marketing or, or media background. So we did not know how to market. And rather than seeing that as a challenge, both of us thought, hey, it's a great opportunity to learn something new. And we decided that let's start uh, with launching our own podcast. That will That's how we will learn some of these skills that we don't know right now, as long as it is fun. And if it does not take too much of our time or too much of our money in terms of investment, mm. we will continue doing it. And if any of these three things happen that, you know, it becomes tiring or boring, it's taking too much time. We're not getting the kind of returns, you know, in terms of listenership, etc. It's not enjoyable anymore and it's costing too much money. We'll stop doing it. Good part is uh, four years later, we're still enjoying it. Uh, I think we have been able to build it into our daily schedule. And uh, fortunately, we are making a little bit of a money now. So we are continuing to doing it and enjoying it. Well, that's for a small podcaster like me. It's very inspiring. Um, I think making money is the goal, but it's also not like the main goal of making the podcasts. But it's nice to um, make some money of it. Um, it's kind of um, showing that you're going on the right track, I think. That's um, right. That's right. And yeah, it's not a lot of money. Obviously, you know, it's not going to mm. help me buy my next uh, or whatever, you know, million dollar mansion or my next <laughs> uh, my next sports car. Uh, but the good part is that uh, somebody is valuing your content and somebody is willing to pay you for it. You know, as a creator, uh, that's a great validation. Secondly, as a product market fit. Right. When we started out, 
people used to ask us questions. They still ask, hey, is there money in it? How do you make money? And I, and exactly what you said, you know, that is not the goal, but that becomes the outcome. And the best part was that we hired a couple of interns who did a lot of graphic, uh, you know, sketching and video, short mm-hmm. video work for us for marketing campaign. We paid them out of the revenue or the money that was generated by the podcast. So it was, you know, it was business that is now paying for the business to survive, which is great. Um, I would actually love to put in another question um, for because a lot of I know a lot of people who would really like to know this. Um, I think a lot of people are maybe have wrong expectations about uh, starting a podcast. Um, I know a lot of people who want to start one, but they also, when they talk about podcasts, they are directly talking about money and how fast they want to grow it. Um, I would love to ask you, how was that uh, when you started the podcast? Did it directly take off or how much money did you have to, uh, so not in numbers, but is there like a certain certain amount of money you had to invest or certain time you had to invest uh, over the four years um, to get it going and how much work was it? Hmm. That's a very interesting set of questions and uh, let me try and answer that probably in the sequence that you asked. Um, So, uh, you know, I personally made that mistake as well that we will be able to get lots of listeners quickly and You know, we'll be able to meet some of our mm. costs and things like that. Uh, it <laughs> it took three times as much. So, you know, I was thinking maybe in one year we should be in good shape. It took <laughs> us three years to, to, be, <laughs> to be where we are. <laughs> so that is a good reality check. Uh, in terms of effort, we knew it will take a lot of effort. But once we actually started doing it, uh, that is also where I think in terms of time estimate, I was hopelessly wrong. And... Uh, You know, I, I I hope very few of your listeners will make the kind of mistakes that we did because, <laughs> uh, you know, I'd spent about 15 years in, in program management and project management in construction. So I thought in terms of, you know, uh, when it comes to time, cost, quality, fortunately, there is no safety element in podcasting. But I had all these big charts drawn up, you know, uh, using whatever project management tool that you can think of mm-hmm. uh, saying that, okay, so-and-so activity will take so much time and, you know, it'll take so much effort. We built in the buffer and we will get so much productivity out of it and we can do, you know, 100 <laughs> episodes in one month's time and we will launch with three episodes of one podcast in a single week. The moment we launched, everything turned out to be wrong. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so uh, so uh, we went literally went back to the drawing board. So our first podcast uh, was on book publishing in India, mm. my kitab, and we'll be in fact relaunching it in July, so next month. Uh, we're close to 100 episodes on it right now, and you know we really think that the show has a lot more to offer. Anyway, my kitab earlier was a three times a week podcast, and this was in January 2016. When there's not so many people in India wanted to know how to publish and market your book. Today, the situation is different, fortunately. But then we had to scale it down, you know, from three times a week, went down to two times a week, went down to once once a week. Now it is once every two months because we've really slowed it down. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, when we launched our second show, which is a storytelling show for children, Bal Gatha. So it's B-A-A-L. Bal means children. Gatha means story. Uh, When we launched that, we actually went back uh, to uh, a different model and we used what most, you know, uh, the product 
development happens, right? You start with a minimal viable product, you test it out with a few beta testers, get their feedback, and then launch the show. So, you know, it was it was exactly 180 degree, uh, 180 degree opposite of what uh, we had started out with our first show. Yeah. So all the good part was that we failed really early. <laughs> In the first three months itself, we knew that, okay, we made a mistake. The better part was that we learned from our mistakes quickly and we changed the whole model. That's yeah? great advice. And, yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I wish somebody had given me that advice, but I hope you <laughs> audience will learn. That's what I said. Um, and, and then also, uh, what we also realized that, uh, so podcasting is a very creative field, right? And mm. if I sound very boring and very, uh, you know, I'm, I'm an engineer, I'd spent about, what, 17 years again in, 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 in design and, and project management. So essentially, I went back, that, that engineer on me, again, took control of the whole thing. We realized that every podcast episode is like a series of 18 or 20 processes. Mm. Yeah. And then we standardized the processes. So learning from the first failure, we went back and then we standardized everything so that we now we know that for every, you know, so much time of raw recording in one hour, you can probably get eight stories or five stories of, uh, you know, five to six minutes each. And so much so time is required for editing. So much time is required for marketing. And, you know, that's why very quickly we were able to launch uh, over the next two years, you know, 400 odd episodes. Mm -hmm. So it's been, it's been an experience. It's been a journey. Wow, it's great. And uh, I see a lot of learning experience over the time, which is very interesting. <laughs> um, you have one particular podcast, which I really love and is really interesting. Um, it's called Startup Nibbles. Um, ah. I think it's also one of your newest ones, if I remember correctly. Um, That's right. How did that one start? And, and what kind of content do you do you share on this podcast? Hmm. Um, that's an interesting question. So I'll, I'll answer it in two parts because, again, uh, like a lot of our shows, we are we are recalibrating and relaunching Startup Nipples as we speak. So what you mm -hmm. hear starting July will be slightly different than what was the, what I'm answering right now. So I, I'll you know with that disclaimer, I'll just start. <laughs> okay. uh, what was happening was that uh, there are a lot of interviews, a lot of podcasts where uh, people interview the entrepreneur. Right. Tell us your journey. Mm -hmm. What were your learnings? I think very similar to what we are discussing right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, the that was a great part because then you know you can hear to hear lots of stories. You learn a lot in the process. But there were like eighteen or twenty different such podcasts in India alone. Yeah. Wow. And if you look at uh, what's happening in Europe and English language, right? All almost all of them were in English. If you look at what's happening, obviously in North America and you know Asia Pacific and Europe. The number is like probably hundreds of podcasts where people interview the entrepreneur. I said that, okay, I want to know something what's happening in the startup world or a cup of coffee or a cup of tea. You know, <laughs> early morning I get up, uh, you know, probably just tell now, you know, or, you know, Alexa, or Google Home or whatever. <laughs> tell me what's happening in the startup world. You know, in five minutes you learn whatever you need to know. Has there been an acquisition? Who has entered a new market? Who has uh, raised some money? And and so on and so forth. So I start, I subscribe to a lot of newsletters and I read them even today, of course. But as I started reading, I started seeing some patterns in it, saying that, okay, there's a lot of focus on certain sectors. So maybe it could be on financial services, it could be on transportation, maybe something's going on in the e-commerce space. 
and uh, it, there, there are certain seasons that is happening you know everyone's raising a lot of money or there are a lot of acquisitions happening or a lot of new product launches happening so i said why don't i actually create a show which in 5 minutes will tell me one new story each about a major you know entry to a market mm-hmm. uh, by or new product launch or a new fundraising or something interesting that happened in the startup world yeah and i also wanted to give my own uh, you know uh, okay you can probably read or listen to some of this information through other sources as well what is important you know what makes startup nibbles a unique show so i would ask a question to the audience at the end of it or maybe in between while reading the news saying that so for example you know 300 million dollars were raised in india alone for bicycle rental mm-hmm. yeah and i said well that's a lot of money if you put that much money in you know bicycle lanes and in germany you're fortunate to have very good you know system of bicycle lanes right in india we don't so i said even if half of that money went towards creating good bicycle lanes your business was, will grow two times as much you know has anybody thought of investing in bicycle lanes instead of just dumping money into bicycles so you know i started adding some quirky elements to the show and and i think that that worked out well mm-hmm. uh, we ran a very good pilot uh, of uh, startup nibbles and uh, right now it's it's also uh, okay one of the things that we do is lot of our shows uh, we just launch them and we don't advertise them you know you may find that file on soundcloud somewhere it's been produced and launched by us but you will not know but what we do is very closely track the listener analytics mm-hmm. yeah so for startup nibbles now when we relaunch every episode will cover one sector of the industry you know it could be agriculture it could be financial services sector it could be delivering medicines at home through internet portals and things like that uh the reason for that is that uh, the target audience for startup nibbles was young professionals and entrepreneurs themselves and the consistent feedback i received from them was 5 minutes was great but they wanted more insights into a particular sector and they did not want me covering multiple things at the same time so maybe now mm, once we okay. launch there still will be three stories maybe in 5 minutes obviously you cannot cover more than that uh, reasonably but they will all three stories will be from a single sector of the industry wow so wow wow very interesting and i think um it's really a new kind of business model that you that you or a new kind of innovative idea that you um started with startup nibbles i really enjoyed it so um Thank you. I see so you're kind of also changing the model now a little bit and and uh, adapting to the new needs of the customers which is very interesting. Um right. So um I would love to also ask you um what kind of um startup stories do you enjoy talking about uh, mostly is it that you just uh, decide like what's most most relevant on the news or is it also that you kind of take something which is personally relevant for you? when you decide what story to tell hmm i think that's a fantastic question uh, leonard um the kind of stories i really like uh, so there is one particular publication called n tracker e n t r a c k r they actually cover not just you know how much money was raised by a particular startup mm-hmm. but they also give some fundamentals so you know as a, as an entrepreneur as somebody who's uh, who wants to raise money there's a lot of learning in it Mm-hmm. saying that if you know 
uh, on what basis did the investor or the venture fund put in, let's say, $10 million in, in a company? And why did their competitor probably get $20 million? You know, So what was different in the two companies, even though they were in the same market, right? Mm-hmm. So that uh, those little insights, uh, I find them very useful, and I try to pick them up sooner than just the headline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's one part. Second is probably uh, questions like even uh, I think something that in, incidentally I read this morning that, uh, you know, Walmart acquired this uh, uh, acquired a company called Flipkart in India uh, for close to 20 billion dollars or so. Then the government of India changed some of the rules. And now there is, you know, it's not official, but there are talks that Walmart may exit this company by uh, listing our Flipkart on the New York Stock Exchange. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. So now it makes me wonder that you paid $20 billion. You obviously, you know, are very smart and work with a lot of smart people. And in the due diligence, you probably worked with a very, you know, bunch of very smart investment bankers and management consultants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, how could they miss this? That the risk to your business could be government regulation. Mm-hmm. So this, you know, if if I were to launch an episode of Startup Nibbles today, this would be my number one question that, you know, obviously you don't have all the answers, but, you know, number one, was this flagged? If it was flagged, what was the weightage or the priority given to it saying that government regulation is a risk in making such a big acquisition in India? And because I've experienced this in my professional career before. So when I was in energy Mm. consulting uh, right out of business school, uh, the company there had actually acquired a company in northern India, uh, and I'll prefer not to mention names. Uh, but uh, so they they made they paid a lot of money. They paid close to one billion dollars to acquire another company who made a lot of fans and you know air conditioners and coolers. You know, and northern mm-hmm. India obviously is very hot. You get temperatures like 40 or 44 degrees. Uh, in Delhi, incidentally, this year was the hottest in in living history for many people. So the point is that they were expecting to make a lot of money in, uh, you know, within one year after acquiring this company. Mm-hmm. Their sales actually fell by 20 percent. How is, you know, how is that possible? Well, it so happened that, uh, you know, one year after they acquired the company, instead of, you know, f- uh, two months of very hot days, you only had 45 uh, days of very hot days. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was not as hot as it should have been. And the sales of the company fell. So the question I asked was, you paid $1 billion to acquire just a company and, you know, the products and the market and everything. Mm. Why did you not invest even, let's say, a million dollars in buying a, or, you know, acquiring a startup which does weather modeling? Because your business is based on weather. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, so obviously I was a very unpopular person at that point in time. Uh, but uh, so, you know, somehow that has still stayed with me that if your business is dependent on or, you know, what is the biggest risk to your business? Uh, as long as you identify it, that's great. As long as and if it's something that you can do nothing about it, which is also OK, as long as you know that, you know, you then you're knowingly going in, you know. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's a calculated risk at that point in time. Well, that's very inspiring. And I think um, I'm flashed because this is such a huge lesson. um, I think that you just talked about being unpopular. I think this is um, sometimes so important that you also listen to um, to the negative feedback or give it give it certain relevance, even if it's if it means that you have to be unpopular for a certain time. 
Yeah. Because as you as you um, as you showed, it can lead to failure if you kind of ignore it for too long. Yeah, I think the other side is that, and and I have learned with experience. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, not just asking the question or doubting, but also trying to find a solution. Mm. You know, so what I, what I do now, again, if I were to do the same thing, what I did you know, whatever, seven, eight years ago with this company, uh, I would have probably proposed a solution as well. I'm saying that, guys, this is a problem mm -hmm. that can happen again. And these are the three companies that I can think of that we should start talking to, you know. So wow. either as a, as a partnership, as a joint venture, as a, you know, acquisition, investment, whatever you want to call it. But, uh, you know, it's too late to develop something in-house and that's not your, your you know, your daily business. It's mm -hmm. best to, to find someone out there, you know, who's your best partner and go with it. Wow. Um, when when making all these this uh, the stories and and reading all these interesting stories, um, I wonder has it ever happened that you um, that you kind of uh, want to start another startup? For me personally, <laughs> it would happen all the time. I I always uh, find myself in the trap when I read about a new startup, maybe in fin fintech or whatever. It's always the point that I suddenly realize ah. Oh, Maybe I'm the wrong field. I want to start something new. Um, has it already happened to you? Oh, it it happens every day. You know, <laughs> I can I can tell you one thing uh, that you know. Once you get into this habit of trying to, you know, first of all, either you get frustrated by it, and then <laughs> over a period of time you ignore it, or you say that okay, I'm frustrated enough. I need to do something about it. Right. Mm. Uh, fortunately, and you lived in Bangalore, you've, you've spent some time in India. Fortunately, India mm. provides with a lot of these opportunities every day, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so this temptation is always there that, hey, why don't, why doesn't anybody do this? And then it eventually boils down, okay, nobody's going to do it, so I will do it. And then I have to force myself to say no, you mm -hmm. know, because at the end of the day, if you try to do something else, what you're doing today takes a backseat takes less of priority and then as they say right if you try to do everything you end up achieving nothing mm -hmm. yeah uh, so what again what I have learned is actually identify what are the most important skill sets required to solve a different problem so I can I can tell you uh, you know somebody had asked me that uh, I want to help uh, you know entrepreneurs who are in the field of sustainability and mm -hmm. you know what can I do about it you know I want to create a marketplace for it would you be interested? I said, I'm absolutely interested in spreading the message because of my work in uh, in the sustainability field. I will be more than happy to help you, uh, you know, promote the idea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But am I the person to probably take the idea and run it for you? I am not, you know, because an e-commerce mm -hmm. business requires a lot of different set of skill sets which either, you know, the, the entrepreneur should possess or they should hire the best person to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, in fact, I connected this person to someone else I knew, and let's see. Time will tell. You know, I think they they should be launching shortly, and time will tell how it goes. Okay, I see. Um, and um, what are some? I mean, reading reading about startups. Not only starting a startup, I would th I would think uh, would be my mistake that I would constantly want to start a new startup. But uh, um, I would be very interested in all the new technologies that come up. Um, is there other particular ones that um, you keep up reading about that you 
go deeper into like for example might it be the bitcoin or might it be um, something else like solar technology that you are uh, particularly interested or you want to see new startups come up with hmm wow you you're asking a lot of interesting questions leonard <laughs> Uh, I must compliment you for you for you. You, know, you certainly done your homework with the questions. Um, Thanks. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely. Um, you, you know, I, I don't come from a technology background in the sense, you know, I'm, I'm not a computer scientist or, you know, uh, electrical or electronics or something like that. And I don't mm. have a programming background. And in, in construction, anything that you do manually and it gets replaced or automated by a machine, that's technology, right? Well, mm. it's not that bad, but the scale and the scope of things changing is not that drastic, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, I am still very close to, uh, you know, problems of today, if I were to use a timeline, you know, anything that can help uh, not just solve, but make a problem of today better, you know, uh, overcome, overcome the challenge in a better way. That is what I can track more than something that is probably 10 years ahead of time. So let me give you an example. In, in, uh, and and I've, I've done the other, other side of the story as well, you know, being too much in the future and not being connected to the present. So again, when I was in energy consulting, we were talking a lot of about installing a lot of sensors in a, in a manufacturing process. So let's say you're talking about a cement factory, right? Mm -hmm. uh, all the time from where the, the charcoal and the limestone comes and the water's coming in, you know, you burn the coal, generate a lot of heat, make cement, put them into bags and, you know, put, load them up in a, in a distribution center. That entire process, uh, what we were proposing back in 2012 and 13 was that wherever energy is consumed the most, go ahead and install sensors. So if there are any inefficiencies or leakages, you'll be able to detect it on an energy dashboard and then you'll be able to optimize, you know. This mm. is all happening today. Or, you know, it started happening probably in 2017 or 18. So we were like five years ahead of the time. Yeah. Wow. And and uh, the downside of that was that business, you know, it's, it's a great presentation to make to the CEO. It's the most useless presentation you can make to the manufacturing manager. <laughs> because the first thing they will come and tell you, uh, again, this is 2013 India. You know, you know what my biggest problem today is, Amar? I'm not able to find coal. Can your technology help me find coal so that I can keep the uh, the furnace running? Mm. So today what I do is that, okay, what are the current available tools and how can they make a particular process better? Mm -hmm. So to, to give you an example, uh, we were talking about, uh, you know, if I were to use the same idea today, uh, so I work with a nonprofit in the forestry space. Uh, so we were talking about, uh, you know, so retailers had started this uh, idea, right, that you post a picture of the person who make that T-shirt. Mm -hmm. uh, so whether they made it in Philippines or Bangladesh or Vietnam or in India or Sri Lanka, wherever, and let's say you're buying it in Germany, uh, you can create a personal connect with the person who made the T-shirt, the right? Because now you can see their face. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, I propose something similar saying that, you know, GPS technology is obviously there. It's, it's off the shelf. You've got mm. barcode scanning ability or you've got a QR code scanning uh, feature built in in practically every smartphone. So let us say a, a tree is getting cut in a forest, you know, far away somewhere again, in, either in Africa or in northeastern India. Mm. It comes all the way to a port in or, or a factory in, uh, in central India or even down south here in Bangalore. 
gets made into this beautiful table, you know, on which we all can have our family dinner. And at the end of the day, if you have this sticker or this barcode and you can track the whole story of the tree and add it up with a small 200 word story, you know, of the tree mm-hmm. itself. I was a tree, I used to be in, in uh, you know, Cambodia or I used to be in Northeastern <laughs> India. Then I got into, brought into this truck on this factory. But I'm so happy to be in your home because I know that I'll find love and care in this home. <laughs> you know, do this and the furniture maker will form such a great connect, especially with the children. And children will start respecting and valuing trees. Mm. Yeah. And maybe a little bit of a promotional message also with the, you know, at the end of the day, businesses got to make money. So this is the kind of work that I would I would actually encourage startups or, or you know, uh, people who are thinking of solving a problem to, mm. to start thinking along today that what is available off the shelf today and what can I make out of it? And is it something that has a business value? Wow. Yeah, I think there's more value in like social startups that really are maybe also non-profit and so on. Um, and I find this kind of space of startups really interesting right now. I think they are blowing off more than um, than like years ago right now. <laughs> yeah. Where are you mostly researching your information? Um, because I think that you are now kind of, um, I would say, an expert in this field because your daily work is it to uh, research the most important stories of startups and so on. Um, so... Um, if you could give advice to somebody who wants to also find out about the most important stories, would you look in the, um, would you like go on the standard um, business sites like um, Bloomberg and so on, or where do you get your information from? Mm, another interesting question. Um, well, there's some so secret two, sites. <laughs> <laughs> two, two, uh, two ways of doing this uh, here. So I work out of a co-working space of WeWork mm-hmm. uh, here in Bangalore. Um, I would say that even if it's part-time, even if it's over like, you know, two or three hours a day, I think the best place to understand what's happening in the startup world is to work out of a co-working space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and and of course, you know, if you do, if you already have a full time job or a commitment or if you're not in a position to and obviously it comes at a cost, right, both in mm. terms of travel and then obviously you have to pay a rental. So if it's if it's too expensive for you at this point in time, see if you can uh, work out in a way that you spend two days or three days uh, at the most every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, two hours or three hours at the most every week and start talking to the person sitting next to you, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I have learned so much working out of you, out of a, a co-working space. I will not promote one particular company, and I'm sure it's the same story everywhere. I've learned so mm-hmm. much from my neighbors, and that will also give you idea as to you know who could be my partner in my next journey. So in the in the audio or podcasting space, when we were thinking about using Amazon Echo or you know all these Google Home and and voice control tools, so that people could listen to a podcast. I spoke to the person sitting next to me because I overheard him tell something very similar to a customer of his, you know. So I just said, pulled him over to, hey, let's go and have a cup of tea or coffee or something. Chit-chatted, you know, 10 minutes later, he said, okay, I'll be happy to do this for you. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, again, however the partnership may work out and don't think everybody's going to charge you money. You know, for him, he was excited because it gave him a proof of concept to show to other customers. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. For us, we got an idea of how the technology works without having to invest too much money. Mm-hmm. Right. So 
there will be something in it for every party involved and it's not just money every time you know sometimes it's relationships i know one person in the in the co-working space where i work he will be happy to do a one hour consultation uh, you know call with you or sit down with you across a, or a cup of tea and actually develop a digital marketing plan for you and he does it for free mm-hmm. you know you know why because he says he learns so much about a different industry every day every time he talks to a new prospective customer Mm-hmm. Right. So that's one. Uh, second, and I did not answer the the traditional, more traditional approach. See, uh, business <laughs> publications like a Bloomberg or or you know uh, business magazines will tell you something that has already happened. You mm-hmm. know, in that case, you are behind the curve. If you are entering or if you want to know what's happening in the startup field, you probably want to stay a little bit ahead of the curve. Mm. Yeah. So that's where, uh, let's say, a tech crunch. That's where maybe uh, you know, Crunchbase or Angel List. If you keep tracking who's investing money where, that's when you would realize that okay, that sector's you know, it's probably picking up. Uh, if if there is you know investor money, which means that the market is growing. Yeah. Mm. So whether you're looking for an employment opportunity, you're looking to freelance, you're looking to invest, partner, you know, whatever. Reach those, reach out to those companies as a prospective customer. That's one great opportunity. Again, in India, like I mentioned before, there is uh, Ntracker. There's uh, you know your story, uh, which does a fabulous job. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, again, the problem is almost all of them are in English. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know what's the equivalent in Germany in German. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and and also in India, of course, then you have when you're talking about India, you have to have it in eight languages. You just can't have it in one. <laughs> you know, so I, I have not come across something similar. Of course, your story has their information available in eight or nine languages as well. But then it is limited, right? Not everything that they publish in English, they are able to translate in all the eight languages, at least not today. You know, mm-hmm. hopefully with more uh, technology advancements, they'll be able to. Wow. Um, that's a great answer. Um, and um, are there particularly besides like talking to um, to neighbors and so on? Are there also like certain um, entrepreneurs that you follow, for for example, like on Twitter or so that that you follow for the news or follow for advice or something? Hmm. Uh, yeah, that's also another uh, good avenue, and I should have mentioned that. And thanks for bringing that up. Uh, I do go to a lot of startup meets. And mm-hmm. so again, from my alumni association, from my business school, or, uh, you know, recently from my, you know, uh, high school or, you know, the professional network or whatever, right? Uh, mm-hmm. The construction organization, etc. cetera. Uh, I, I do keep talking to them as to what's happening. That's another source of information. And then also whatever, you know, social media network. So whether it's WhatsApp or Telegram, I think the more technology-oriented people prefer Telegram or WhatsApp, right? I don't know what's the situation in Germany, but in India, almost everyone uses WhatsApp, right? Mm. So uh, that's another way that be a part of some of these uh, WhatsApp groups. So that becomes your extended uh, sort of source of information. And then the beauty is that uh, if you want to know something about a particular industry, you reach out to your uh, your group in this, uh, you know, whatever LinkedIn or WhatsApp or wherever, and mm-hmm. somebody may know someone who's done that. Mm-hmm. What's your number one advice if it comes to like, if you would talk to like your younger self or so, like your 10 years younger self, and he would tell you, I want to start a podcast or I want to start this company. Um, would it be a different advice that you ex- that would have uh, expected 10 years ago? 
10 years ago, I think the number one advice I would have given myself or like younger self would be don't start all by yourself. You know, mm-hmm. being a solopreneur, as they call it, it's a great thing to do. And I have a lot of respect for people who are able to do it. But my biggest learning has been that. And, and of course, I was fortunate to have my wife as my partner and co-founder. Mm-hmm. But I would have started out with a team. You know, how quickly can you find uh, the the right people, the brightest people to do the problems that will take you the maximum amount of time? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not outsourcing things you don't want to do. Right. And it's not laziness, but it's a very strategic investment. You know, mm-hmm. coming to specifically podcasting, uh, it's only now that Google Podcast and then maybe Apple Podcast will start doing transcription. It's only now that Amazon, AWS and, you know, a lot of other services provide uh, text transcript of the of the audio file from your podcast. Right. Mm-hmm. Back in 2015. Uh, either you had to outsource it to another human being or agency, which was very expensive because they charge by the hour or by the word, or you had to do everything yourself. Mm-hmm. So every episode of My Kitab podcast would take me about hour and a half to two hours in researching the guests you know, and preparing the questions, one hour of interview, three to four hours of editing, and then three to four hours of doing the transcripts. Yeah, maybe two hours. Anyway, so every one hour of recording started taking me between eight and ten hours just to upload the audio file onto the server, on the media host. And I'm not even Mm -hmm. talking about marketing yet, right? So if I were to go back, I would have found the fastest or not the fastest, but rather, sorry, the most efficient way of getting the audio editing done, most efficient way of getting the at least the primary background research done, most efficient way of getting the transcripts done. Because now I am spending two hours or three hours of my time where it matters the most, which is understanding the guest better, right? Preparing questions that are mm-hmm. tailored to their personality or their needs, and then actually talking to the person on the on the uh, you know Skype call or Zencaster or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I am done, you know. My job will then be to stay in touch with that guest, you know, connect with them on social media, reach out to them, congratulate them if they have launched a new product or they have received an award or, you know, and they even family, right? They got a new dog, they had a new child, they bought a new car, <laughs> whatever. My job then becomes connecting with them for the foreseeable future. And I'm not investing any time in doing uh, things which are extremely important, which is transcripts and editing, but that's not what my core job is. Mm-hmm. If you would look for, for example, a co-founder for a new startup, um, is there certain uh, are there certain key character traits that you definitely want to have in that founder? Uh, might be something that complements your personal character traits, but can also something be can also be something that um, you generally want to have for a founder of a startup. In I think that will depend on the nature of the business or the nature mm-hmm. of the industry. Again, if I and and this was like a recent example, so probably I could quote it. The same person who wanted to create an e-commerce marketplace for sustainable products. What when we did the deep dive, we realized that uh, you know you probably need four people, four key people with different skill sets to actually get going. Mm-hmm. Somebody who has the ability, who knows the supply chain basically. You know where's the manufacturing happening? Who are the suppliers? Who are the key distributors? Somebody, so somebody who's worked in procurement or or supply chain in a in a in an organization before, 
somebody who comes from a technology background because at the end of the day you have to set up the e-commerce portal the billing you know inventory management tracking and everything somebody who's good at customer service because obviously it's a it's a very customer uh, you know driven sla- uh, slash marketing you know front end uh, that person should be very outgoing and should have very good skill sets in that and finally somebody who is very good in operations mm-hmm. yeah so if i were to to create something like that uh, if i'm not any of the other three i would have found the three people to do that you okay. know, at least two people to do that something like that Mm-hmm. I would love to also ask, would you say that like in uh, modern times, in today's world, it's more or less important to study or to go to university and to good or maybe uh, expensive university? Because I think you said that you, you're on your own, you went to university, you studied and you have an MBA. Um, would you say it's helped a lot? Would you say maybe you would do it differently or what would you give it as an advice for a young young person who is also um, aspiring to go into the startup world and decides now should I study or what should I study to have a better entry wow yeah you're talking to someone who probably spent a lot of his youth in classrooms and <laughs> and then cubicles before deciding to launch uh, their own venture so i will i will say this uh, probably with with a little bit of caution because i would you know love to stay connected with what somebody who's 18 20 25 year old today uh, mm-hmm. i'm not that well connected and and i'm i'm only 40 and it's not that like i'm 65 or 70 <laughs> or something like that no, no. Uh, but my point is that things have changed drastically in the past you know mm-hmm. since i was that age right and then of of course culturally a lot of things have changed even in india so when i did a summer job uh, in in engineering my neighbors and you know my family were questioning do you really need money if you needed money you could have asked me i could have lo- you know i could have given it to you as a gift or loaned you or whatever right today mm-hmm. if you ask someone that uh, and if they tell you that hey i'm i'm you know either delivering packages from amazon or delivering food or whatever as uh, and you know that's that's my side venture but i'm also obviously going to to college and getting a degree people don't mind that right people don't judge you so a lot of things have changed uh, in india for sure and i'm mm-hmm. and obviously in, in europe and north america uh, they were that changed a long time ago but anyway with that background um, i think it's extremely important to do something outside the classroom when you are mm-hmm. in college yeah and i'll give say exactly the opposite of that when you're not in college it is extremely important to keep studying keep learning well that's a great answer that's a really great answer thank oh, you thank you thank you and i would also um add or maybe add a little question i'd like to add a little question what has did you have any changes in your mindset over the years like from studying to um entrepreneurship would you say that um these two these two elements um, how would how they influence your mindset yeah i think um so there are there are two elements again to it uh when i was studying uh, it, it's a lot of theory right again going back mm-hmm. to that whole plan that i had made out about podcasting you know developing that schedule and and everything and one year time window that was theory right and uh, so th- a lot of decisions or a lot of a- actions that uh, i would take in the past were a little bit theoretical then i would actually jump into it and then i would figure out that okay it's either working or it's not working and then you know go back and iterate mm-hmm. yeah uh sometimes 
in life, you don't have that opportunity. And this is more so in a lot of professions like, let's say, law, taxation, you know, uh, obviously medicine, construction. You don't have an opportunity to come up with an MVP, right? You cannot say that I'm going to try and build this building. If it works, great. If not, I'll tear it down and build it again. <laughs> yeah. So it will it, depend totally on what is it that you want to do. And depending on where I was in, in that stage of career, now I would be more uh, willing to take calculated risks, saying that, okay, you know, if, and, and right now the biggest risk is uh, time, right? It's no mm -hmm. longer money, it's no longer, uh, knock on wood, it's still money, but you know, the, the biggest uh, hurdle right now is time. There's only so much time. So anything that is going to take a significant amount of time, no matter how tempting it is, I will not do it. In the past, I would not have worried about uh, the time. I would not have worried about the risk. And of course, now being you know married and having a family, I would also think about the impact on the family, which in the past I would not have done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's it's changed, and I'm glad that it has kept changing. There is no, there, you know, you know, there is no concrete answer to that, unfortunately. Okay, I see. Um, and living in India, um, how has um, do you do you think that there is a certain certain um, unique startup culture in India compared to the rest of the world, or do you think um, there are certain um, similar elements? I think what I find exciting now, again working particularly staying close to the startup folks uh, that I work with at the co-working space and people I keep talking to, people have so fantastic ideas mm -hmm. you know every day somebody comes and tells me what they're doing and it's like i had no idea you can do that <laughs> and it's like otherwise why didn't i think of it you know so that excitement that learning it's phenomenal secondly mm -hmm. what i also notice is that uh, at least definitely within the startup environment if you tell them what you're doing nobody judges you they are very excited that hey you're trying out something new something great you know <laughs> try telling that to somebody you know i wish uh, my again you know if i were to tell that to my family as to what i'm doing their response would be it's like you know if all you had to do was uh, stay, stand in front of a mic and record why did you go to engineering and you know why did you get your masters and an mba <laughs> that <laughs> you know, straight out of college. You know, uh, people. So people who are in touch with the with the startup world or who are aware of what are changes happening, they are very excited. They are very supportive. People mm -hmm. who don't know what it takes or what you're doing, they still don't get it for most part. Yeah, uh, and you know, again, there are certain people in my family very supportive, very encouraging. But they still don't understand what they're doing. So they, at the end of the day, they would just come and say, hey, if whatever you're doing doesn't work out, come to me. I'll be happy to help you. you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's, again, that's a unique, I, I guess uh, it's it's true in a lot of cultures where family support is very important, you know, and, and mm -hmm. very part of the culture. So having this, uh, this cushion, right, if nothing works out, I know there are people in the family who will be able to help us out, at least by the time we're able to get back on our feet. That's, that's a good, uh, I think, that's a unique thing about India, I guess, to answer your question. Mm -hmm. um, and in India, is it that there's a certain field of um, um, technology or startups which is rising the fastest? Because um, I could imagine, for example, that uh, payment, payment companies um, have, a, have a huge impact in India. Is it that way or is it that other companies are rising faster? 
answer i'm going to give it's you know as frank and blunt as i can be so a lot of people mm-hmm. may not like to hear it right with this background let me tell you uh, there are seasons and there are flavors at least in the past 4 years that i've been actively involved mm-hmm. okay. like you know i've hung up my corporate hat and doing what i'm doing now every 3 to 6 months uh, with a change in the season the you know uh, uh, whichever sector is hot it keeps changing mm-hmm. and unfortunately uh, they all like to position themselves as a technology company so i call it you know star tech you know you add a star to the word tech and you know you're hot for that particular season or not okay mm-hmm. so earlier it started up with uh, you need to have an app you need to be an aggregator you need to have a portal you know no matter what you're doing you need to have these three elements into uh, in and into your mix then it moved on to you know fintech then healthcare suddenly you know food delivery became hot cab aggregation uh, so again every 3 to 4 months it kept changing uh, fintech is still hot insurance currently is very hot i guess uh, mm, okay. agriculture technology is very uh, you know it's it's there's a lot of excitement in it suddenly people wanted to start delivering all organic milk to your home so there was a lot of again money going into into uh, milk Uh, and and milk products you know dairy and all that right mm-hmm. so uh, it changes i think uh, right now yes uh, like i said you know insurance seems to be something that's doing well um the other part is that people like to use a lot of jargon and and i guess it's universal because that's the language i guess investors would be excited with if you don't have the terms uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning in your investor pitch in your pitch to investors people will not talk to you wow <laughs> <laughs> So uh yeah so that's we've been seeing a lot of that uh lately. Um and would you say there are certain um still um independently from from the seasons there are certain long-term preferences long-term needs of the people that maybe will lead to certain of these startups um rise um and 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 be stronger than the others. I think the short answer Leonard would be who's you know what problem and more importantly for whom are you trying to solve the problem mm-hmm. okay uh, and and let me explain a little bit uh, further on that fintech absolutely you know people need money that's fantastic mm-hmm. uh, but i also read that particularly now with monsoons right a lot of areas don't have road access or the bridges get washed away due to floods and things like that uh, delivery of medicines and food by drones it's a phenomenal mm-hmm. opportunity Oh wow okay you know? so and and I recently read I think in the in the northern hills uh, uh you know in the Himalayas they delivered uh, uh you know pints of blood to somebody who needed blood uh, through a drone and like they were like 25 kilometers away from the nearest hospital wow yeah? that's very really beautiful uh, it's it's just fantastic i mean just mm-hmm. blew my mind i said forget uh, delivering pizzas by drone this is solving a real world problem right yeah this is beautiful uh, Yeah, and and this will keep happening, right? This will keep happening uh, for the next foreseeable amount of time uh, till proper infrastructure goes in place. I mean, you know, and um, it's not just people; it's also the size of the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, which is a challenge. Similarly, if I were to extend that same idea, uh, maybe tomorrow uh, it could be delivery of uh, essential supplies. It could be probably farmers could start using that for sowing seeds. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and things like that so that's that's one way of using technology to solve a problem which has existed and will continue to exist for a very long time because the the necessary infrastructure is not around yeah wow. i think that's got a long term future because tomorrow mm-hmm. uh, it's not just institutional support or support from the government it's a lot of private sector smart money which will go into it 
Wow. And, and would you say that um, the support of the government is good in India or would you say that there is still a deficit? Because, um, like, for example, I think in Germany um, there could be a lot more done for startups. I think in Germany there, there are unfortunately a lot of old companies that, uh, that root the system and startups kind of um, get missed out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's both. Okay, and and I'm very so far happy with the support received from the government. Mm -hmm. If you talk to some of my peers, maybe answers may be different. Uh, but I can tell you that there are a lot of programs that people are either not aware of, or just because they think it's run mm -hmm. or supported by the government, it'll be it'll not be great. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, but for example, the government of India has this program called Startup India Program. Yeah, so uh, we registered for it. It, uh, it probably and so we are like you know. Uh, a recognized startup under this program uh, by the government. As a part of it, uh, just like the way a lot of incubators and and uh, you know uh, accelerators, uh, they give credits and you know grants and things like that for using different tools and technologies and things like that. We were able to get uh, credits for, uh, for example, for Zoho, right? So Zoho mm -hmm. is a is a office tool, CRM, you know, you you name it, uh, you know. So because we got this Zoho One tool, suddenly instead of investing in a in a, you know one, it's not just the money part of it, but also having multiple logins and multiple accounts to maintain, right? Right from CRM to my mailing list newsletter to having a cloud storage to email system to office documentation, etc. Yeah, or even conducting webinars. So for one year we got these credits. So that is extremely helpful. And how did that happen? Because we were registered, right? Similarly, if I worked out mm -hmm. of another co-working space for four months because the state government here, the government of Karnataka, had a program for women entrepreneurs. And since my wife's a you know, uh, co-founder, uh, we were eligible under that program. So we worked <laughs> out of a co-working space for, you know, uh, well, we had to pay a minimal fee, but we got it essentially at a subsidized rate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's another state uh, where we are incorporated. They actually give you money for marketing. I mean, you know, government giving you money for marketing is, is very unusual. Mm -hmm. So there are programs, uh, not all of them may be familiar or known to people, not all of them may be relevant to you, but it's a matter of going and finding out, right? And I think, uh, and, and to be fair, an entrepreneur's primary focus is how do you first of all survive and then how do you grow, obviously. They, do, they may not have the time to invest in, in doing all this research. Mm, so see. maybe they don't apply to these programs. Yeah, oh, okay. And that's why the usual feeling is that, oh, okay, I'm not doing much. Well, I think they are doing a lot of good things. Uh, they probably need to do a better job at promoting it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, maybe, so maybe um, if there's one thing the government could do more, would you say it's like marketing or something? Or do you think um, there's already like a lot of stuff done and uh, people... People um, are just unfortunately not so much aware of it because they are focused on the startup. Yeah, I think I think it's good uh, the stage it is at right now, mm -hmm. uh, particularly when it comes to English language. And I want to you know keep going back to that language element in it because you lived in India and you know how complicated it can get because <laughs> yeah. every state practically has its own language, right? Uh, so what some states have tried, at least in northern India, where Hindi is the main language. They've actually tried to do road shows wherein you go to the smaller towns and cities and communicate with entrepreneurs, not in English, but the native language. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think it got a good response because, you know, whether you are uh, you are in the town that you are in or whether I'm in Bengaluru, as an entrepreneur, I think the problems are going to be quite similar, right? Access to customers, 
how to hire people, you know, what tools to invest and, you know, obviously money at somewhere down the line where, where you are in the journey and then marketing, of course, right? Mm. So problems are going to be similar. They're not going to change. Maybe the scale would change or the severity may change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So why not take the message to the people in their language? I think that's worked out well. They need they need to do that a lot more in practically every language. And I'm not saying they're not doing it, but I, I think that's one opportunity they need. They just need to keep hammering. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, one thing I would like to uh, ask you is, um, for me in Germany, companies are most likely founded by banks. They get the money from the banks and the and uh, their finances. And uh, for example, I often hear that um, German companies, startups, sometimes travel to America to finance themselves from uh, VCs. Is it um, how I would like to know how is it in India? Are they also going to VCs or are they going to a bank or um, how is the financing usually going? Or maybe is it crowdfunding or something? Yeah, I think the last part is the easiest to answer. Crowdfunding is uh, not very popular yet in India. There are a couple mm. of platforms, but that's more for social oriented. You know, it's not for product development. It's not for new services or things like that. Right. Mm. Uh, it's more for nonprofit, more for social side. Now, most startups in India, they lean towards venture capital, which is equity. They don't go to the banks, which is debt. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, That is largely because the banking system is still very old fashioned. And I'm sure that's probably the case why entrepreneurs in Germany go to uh, to North America as well. Right. Because mm. it's very conservative. It's also driven by a lot of regulation. So mm. there are now programs to encourage entrepreneurs. There is a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of uh, changes happening. But in some cases, the regulation has not caught up with the innovation. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let me give an example coming to banking itself. Uh, the demand for paper in the financial services industry is growing at 12 or 15, 1.5% every year in India over the past three years. Wow. We spoke a bit about fintech and advances in insurance and financial services, right? Mm-hmm. Even for me today to open a bank account, I need to submit 30 different pieces of paper. Wow. Yeah. Why is it? Because the regulation is not caught up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what is easier for me, relatively speaking, uh, do I approach a venture capitalist or an angel investor uh, and raise uh, you know, capital through equity? Or do I go to a bank wherein they'll demand a collateral, a bank guarantee, you know, co-borrower, co-signer, you name it. And then just the mm-hmm. number of documentation just goes up and they give me a loan instead. Right. And then, of course, it will depend on the nature of business. If I'm in a business to business software service, you know, software as a service space, mm-hmm. uh, is it easier for me to explain it to the venture capitalist or go to an old fashioned banker and explain to them, oh, actually, it's a piece of software and, you know, you subscribe to it and there's a freemium model in it. And, you know, we want we work on a 15 percent gross margin. They will not understand it because they they're not been trained to understand it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, I think from that point of view, the problems could be similar. Uh, having said that, uh, again, it will totally depend on the nature of the business. If yours, if you're in a trading of physical goods, let us say you create a portal for trading of steel and cement, for example, which is a little bit old fashioned business, but you've given it a, a, a new you know, avatar of sorts in the form of an aggregation portal maybe they're going to a bank would make a lot of sense because they will get it, right? They've been doing mm-hmm. it for far more years than, than you can probably imagine. 
Wow, that's that's a good answer. Um, and um, to round this sector up, I would like to ask you, um, if you had to pick one point, what would be, do you think, India's strength or India's weakness in terms of startup culture or startup sector? I think the answer for both is the same, people. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really, really great answer. <laughs> Uh, maybe something one couldn't talk more about in another episode. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we can we can probably have a whole series on that, right, Leonard? Yeah, yes, of course. <laughs> and then um, I would like to um, come over and um, ask you the final um, questions. First one being, I always try to find out more interesting entrepreneur stars to say, to, to research, to look up, maybe to read a biography about, um, or maybe give it to, to listeners that they can uh, read more biographies. Um, are there some great biographies, entrepreneurs or so that you, um, that you have, um, especially from India, that maybe people from Europe or maybe North America don't look up so much or haven't, haven't uh, found yet? I'm not sure if there is a particular book that I can recommend, but any talk, any lecture or video on YouTube by N.R. Narayan Murthy of Infosys, one of the co-founders mm -hmm. and then a former chairman, anything that men that's mentioned by him, wherein he's telling his startup journey, I think it's worth its weight in gold. And mm -hmm. for the simple reason, he started out his journey in the early 80s and like uh, uh, late 80s and early 90s I'm sorry India was very different at one point at that that point in time mm -hmm. and some of the stories that he tells that if you know an entrepreneur today feels that their journey is hard they should listen to what he had to go through you know wait for three years to get a computer and he's in a software services company wait for <laughs> two years to get a telephone you know uh, go to New Delhi from Bangalore in a train just so that he can get his visa and also get foreign exchange because he has a business trip in in North America You know, wow. uh, it must have it, it probably would have crushed nine times out of 10, you know, nine out of 10 people. Mm -hmm. And in spite of that, you know, and this is something that was in business school. And this goes to another interesting aspect, an important aspect of entrepreneurship that does not get talked about a lot is ethics and integrity. You know, mm -hmm. uh, he went on record saying that he's ashamed and this was 2010-11. He's ashamed that he's not paying taxes for his business in India. Mm -hmm. okay? Because the government had given so much subsidy for the software development sector to develop. And, uh, you know, I, I initially thought, is this person crazy or what? But then real, I later realized, you know, wow, it takes guts to stand up against your peers and say, you all want subsidy mm -hmm. from the government. Oh, I want to pay taxes because that is how a country and economy grows, you know. So, yeah, anything by Mr. Narayan Murthy, I think I, it does not get much talked about uh, outside of India, probably that much. I think it's worth its weight in gold. Wow, great. Um, yeah, and I think I think um, this especially is interesting for me because I think um, Maybe for for somebody born in India, it's also um, more harder to start a company or to, to to build a great startup than, for example, somebody who has been um, born like in the US in San Francisco or, or somewhere. <laughs> But I could yeah. also imagine it being having a great impact, like being like living in Bangalore. So because you have such a huge culture and, and impacts from a lot of people. Um, and also, I would like to ask you, um, 
like because especially you have listened to so much podcasts and um, you've been in the scene for probably longer than I have been. What are your favorite podcasts? Um, or if if a re listener decides now I want to listen to free podcasts tonight, what what which one would you recommend? Um, since we spoke about startups uh, quite a bit, I think the number one recommendation would be um, Entrepreneur on Fire by John Lee Dumas. Mm, I know uh, that one. Again, you know, he is one of the reasons why we got into podcasting in the in the first place because my wife and I both love listening to him. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and again, one new interview every day, five years in a row or six years in a row, I guess now. Yeah, I mean that takes. <laughs> takes a lot of effort. Um, mm. Second show is something that I, I started listening to in the past three months, and I love listening to it. It's called Business Wars by Wondery. Mm. Um, so this basically tells the rivalry between two large or you know major brands. So it could be McDonald's versus Burger King or Nike versus Adidas. Uh, what I really like about, or you know, HBO versus Blockbuster uh, versus Netflix. I'm sorry. What I love mm -hmm. about this particular podcast is it's not just about business or entrepreneurship. It is also about. It tells a lot about how the U.S. economy was, let's say, in the 1970s. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it tells a little bit about the culture. It tells a little bit about a lifestyle. So you learn a lot more other than just business. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, the third show that I, I would very highly recommend, I don't know how many of, uh, you know, and I, um, I do hope that some of your listeners listen to the shows that we produce. Uh, but the third show that I would very highly recommend for those of you who like history, uh, it's called History of India podcast, uh, which is by a Brit called Kit Patrick. So he has a PhD in history. And he talks about You know, how life was uh, if you were a bureaucrat or you were a soldier uh, during the emperor, you know, during the, let's say, Mughal Empire or during the times of Ashoka. You know? mm -hmm. He brings in so many cultural elements, again, historical elements, geography, food habits, festivals. You learn so much more than a history textbook in that show. Mm. So, yeah, those three would be my recommendations. Well, thank you very much. Um, and to round this all up, I would like to also ask you, what's your, is there any favorite sentence from, from somebody? Um, like, for example, my favorite sentence is from Steve Jobs. And he said one time, death is the life's greatest in, uh, invention. Is there also something that, um, or maybe many sentences that you uh, wrote down that you like to remember that um, are inspiring? This is something a lawyer told me as a joke, but I think I've become a little bit philosophical about it and, and I'll probably explain afterwards. Mm -hmm. But the statement is, where there is a will, there is money. Mm -hmm. Okay, because in English, the actual phrase is where there is a will, there is a way, right? But mm -hmm. this lawyer told me where there is a will, there is money. And the way I try to, you know, I, I was influenced by it is that if you have the willingness to try something new or do something new, there is money and money is not necessarily finance right money can be experience money can be knowledge money can be your network money can be something that you achieve at the end of the day wow that's a great sentence thank you very much sure. um and uh, now to to sum this all up i would like to also um um thank you very much and also um where can people find you and where can people listen to your podcasts and um yeah Okay, well, people can find me on my website, amarvyas.com. And, uh, you know, by the time this episode goes live, uh, 
we would have redone the website. There's, there's a bit of behind the scenes work going on. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of our podcasts, I think the best place to go is gathastory.com. And I'll be mm-hmm. happy to send you the links, uh, which I'm sure you, you know, if you can kindly add in the show notes, it'll be great. Uh, yes. You can learn about our shows for children, which is Balgatha and Fairy Tales of India. You can learn a little bit more about relaunch of Startup Nibbles, about which I spoke earlier. And then also the first ever show that we did, which is My Kitab, which is, which is on how to publish and market your book. And then, of course, uh, probably early July, there are a few other surprises which I cannot talk about right now. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Thank you so much. And um I recommend everybody to check it out and to listen to more of your episodes because they're really great. And especially my favorite is Startup Nibbles. Oh, great. Thank you so much again to your audience and to you, Leonard, for such great set of questions. Uh, you know, uh, some of them really stumped me to use an analogy from cricket because the Cricket World Cup <laughs> is going on in, in, in the UK. And uh, yeah, fantastic. Very nice talking to you. Thank you, too. I've learned really much from this interview. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the show. And if you want to learn more about Amar Deshpande, you can check out his website, amarbias.com. Or you can also listen to his podcast, especially Startup Nibbles. I will put all the links into the description if you need them. And thank you, as always, so much for listening to the show. It means the world to me.